Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope you're doing well. And before we get started, I just want to share a few words about my new book, All in the Same Boat, Lead Your Organization Like a Nuclear Submariner. Well, we're done. The pre-order period is over and the book is in normal production. So if you go to allinthesameboatbook.com, you can purchase a signed copy and I'll send it off to you. You can even tell me if you wanted me to write something specific on the front cover, I can do that or in the inside cover. Uh, but yeah, go to allinthesameboatbook.com and you can purchase a signed copy or you can go to Amazon and purchase either the paperback version or the Kindle version of the book. Just search All in the Same Boat and or you can put in my name, John Rennie, and you can find it easily on Amazon. So it's available there. Now, the Audible version will be available in a few months. We are in we are in production now. And quite frankly, that takes a long time. So that'll take us a while to get the Audible version up. But uh, if you're one of those people that like the Audible version, uh, you'll have to be patient. It'll probably be two to three months away before we get that done. So, uh, but anyways, thank you for everyone who supported this book launch. I'm extremely proud of how this book came out, and I know that you will enjoy it. I certainly know that it will be an interesting book, and it'll be probably the most interesting book, a leadership book that uh, you have ever read. Uh, comes, you know, my leadership perspective comes from a very interesting place, and uh, I'm very proud of uh, having served in this country, having served on submarines, and I think. The ideas that uh, I learned as a young officer in the Navy really helped me become a better leader in, uh, in the corporate world and in my own startup. So I encourage you to go pick up a copy, get it read, and uh, more importantly, uh, implement some of the ideas that you learned from the book. Uh, that's the best thing you can do is read a book, absorb the lessons, and then actually do something about it. So... Um, so the other thing you do, if you if you like this show and you want to encourage and support what I'm doing, you can obviously buy uh, one of my books on my website, or you can go to visit one of my sponsors, BottomGunCoffee.com and EyeOfTheWatch.com. Both of those websites use the code DEEP at checkout, and you'll get a discount, and you'll support the show, and that's always a good thing. So thank you again for supporting this book launch and supporting this show. Well, today my guest is Mitchell Bowling, and if that name sounds familiar, it's because he's been on the show before. He's a friend of the show, and he was on episode 10, way back in the early days, and we talked about his first leadership book, which was called Leadership, A View from the Middle, which is actually one of my favorite leadership books. Mitch is a great author, and he has a great perspective on leadership that is, I would say, unique, uh, and not many people are talking about it. It's the idea of leading in the middle of an organization, and you say, well, uh, who's in the middle of an organization? I would say we all are in the middle of the organization. We all have bosses, even myself, someone that who, who is a CEO of a startup company, is a manufacturing company. I have a board of directors I report to, so I'm even though I'm at the top of the company, I still am in the middle of the organization. I still have bosses I report to, and we all have bosses we report to, so that's a great book. Um, now, he has a new book out called Leading from the Middle, Teachers and Coaches, where he talks about the important leadership role that teachers and coaches play in the lives of young people and what every leader can learn from that special job that they have. You know, sometimes we don't think about leader, uh, teachers and coaches as leaders, but they, in fact, are leaders. And we're going to talk about that in this episode with Mitch. This is a great episode that I know you will love. 
So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mitchell Bowling. Mitch is a retired Air Force Senior Master Sergeant who spent 25 years leading the men and women who maintain the world's most sophisticated fighter jets. He's the author of one of my favorite leadership books, Leadership, A View from the Middle, Lessons from an Aircraft Maintainer, where he talks about the importance of leading in the middle of an organization. He has a follow-up to that book called Leading from the Middle, Teachers and Coaches, which focuses on the unique leadership role of these important professions. This is another great book, and I'm excited to have Mitch back on the show to talk about it. So, Mitch, welcome. Thanks, John. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, you know, it's been a while. Uh, The last time you were on the show, we were on episode 10. So you were one of my first guests on this, uh, this podcast. And now here we are at episode 69, more than a year later, and, uh, and you're back. Uh, so it's good to have you back. How have you been? I know that's awesome being uh, being able to come on here twice. I think that's pretty cool. You, yeah, you're I, the second uh, guest that I've had twice. So I think so because I've been keeping track. So <laughs> good. I think I am the second. I think probably Coach Brew was probably uh, your first repeat customer. He was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was the first one to write two books in in the time that I oh, gotcha. the podcast. Go. So I had him back for his second book, or well, actually his. 13th book so oh yeah well there you go so this is only my second book but i'm really i'm really proud of it so i had a lot of fun writing it and looking forward to talking about it with you today Uh, that's fantastic you know when we first met neither of us were a published author and uh, in the time that we've known each other uh you have produced two fantastic leadership books i've written two books and uh so now we're we're even so so we'll see (laughs) we'll, we'll see who writes the next book first (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that's pretty neat. Um, and I'm happy to be connected with you. You've really helped me along the way, too. And I really appreciate it. Uh, and the same with you. So I appreciate yeah. all the help along the way. So it's nice that uh, two veterans who are writing about leadership can connect and uh, just help each other along. So that's good. To, yeah. That's good to have that. Uh, good to have those relationships. Yes, I agree. So before we get deep into the book, and uh, I, for those who may have not met you in the past or heard the episode 10, and I encourage people to go back to listen to episode 10, but tell our listeners about your military career, because I think it's fairly unique. You were in for a long time. You you did some pretty amazing things. Tell us about uh, that that history and where you gained your leadership experience initially. Well, I was uh, I was in the Air Force. Uh, for 25 years, actually. So I was enlisted, um, started out as a airman basic right from the very beginning. And uh, my my job was to be a avionics system specialist on the F-16 aircraft. So that's all I did for 25 years. I, you know, a lot of guys will switch around to different airframes or different careers or whatever, but uh, I stayed on the F-16 for the, my entire time. And I uh, was able to learn working on the aircraft and, and um, you know, bounced around all over the world. I'm stationed in Germany and stationed in Korea twice and 
spent a lot of time uh, in at Nellis in Las Vegas and here at, at Luke Air Force Base is where I retired from. Um, but I've done other jobs, uh, not just with avionics, but you know, as you grow in the Air Force and you become a, what we call a senior non-commissioned officer, a master sergeant, and a senior master sergeant, and then chief. I never made chief. I was a, uh, finished off as a senior master sergeant. But, you know, we have other jobs that we that we do as we work on the airplanes. And and one of them that that I did was to be a, an instructor. And so for for four years, I was an instructor uh, teaching uh new employees, if you will, um, the ins and outs of the F-16 avionics system. So that was a very rewarding job in my uh, for my career. Uh, it was doing that for four years. It really got me in tune, more in tune with the avionics. And then it was nice to, you know, maybe even have a break off the flight line for four years mm-hmm. before I, uh, you know, made my next rank and went on. And as I went to my next ranks, you know, I was uh, in production and in leadership and uh, and that type of thing. So you end up, I've ended up working in leadership positions where I had between 70 and 150 people working for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so as a, as a senior NCO, you really get that leadership experience and you're there for your people. And uh, it's, it's very rewarding. It can be a very rewarding uh, job. So mm-hmm. uh, I was there through retirement. Uh, 2008 is when I retired and then I got uh, my next job was still working on around airplanes and working on uh, F-16 and F-35 simulator systems. So that's what I've been doing up to. Wow. Wow. You know, and I think it's I think the military is a really unique place to, you know, begin your career, at least for me. You start you know, as a, I would say a doer, you know, learning the basics of doing your role. And as you gain experience and you gain knowledge and you gain rank, you, you get more and more responsibility. So the amount of leadership you get uh, over your career and you were there 25 years is just your, your sphere of influence goes from you're in charge of yourself, <laughs> you know, get, you get, you exactly. get, get, you know, get to your, you know, get, get to where you're supposed to be on time, right? Make sure your uniform's proper. Make sure you're you're competent in your job, and that's it. You're you're there maintaining yourself, and then it's you're leading two people or three people or four people, and then it's ten, and then it's fifteen, and and you. That's what I love about the military is because they give you those opportunities to lead. And the best way to be a great leader is to practice leadership, and they give you those opportunities to grow in leadership. As you mentioned, you know you had hundreds of people reporting to you or working for you uh, towards the end of your career, but that certainly they didn't do that on day one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely the first part of the of your career is, is simply learning your job. You know, we're called a three level. A three level is a trainee and mm. you, just, you go out and work jet and, and learn the system as best as you can. And then uh, as, as you grow, you have to get good at your, your technical job as well as the military job as far, you know, meaning that you have to learn your systems, you have to learn avionics and whatnot, but you also have to learn about leadership and military and military history and uh, dress and appearance and all kinds of stuff that goes along with it. And that coupled together helps people to advance in their uh, mm, military career. I agree. Yeah. In my, um, in my new book, I, I, I have a chapter called earn your oxygen and on a submarine, oh, yeah. you know, you, when you first show up, you are completely unqualified and uh, there's a, 
uh, how do I say this? There's a peer pressure on you to get qualified because you are breathing other people's air, as you, if you will. You're eating their food. You are, and you're not contributing to the well-being of the, of the and operation of the ship. So there's tremendous peer pressure to to learn your job and be a competent in your in your job. And I think you know you contrast that sometimes to uh, the corporate world and business. Uh, you definitely don't see uh, pressure to get qualified or to be, you know, to contribute. People get jobs. Sometimes they come off the streets and they're leading, they're in leadership roles, or sometimes right. they come off the streets and they're in, a, in, in, a, in an advanced technical role. They didn't come up through the ranks, you know, like you do in the military. So I think it's, um, it's definitely different in um, when you're in corporate uh, or in your big companies to see that, um, that level of, you know, ap- apprenticeship, learning, growing, you know, gaining right. rank, gaining more responsibility. Sometimes they'll, they'll put, give people responsibilities that aren't even qualified. And, and uh, that's frustrating for those that are qualified. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I've seen that. And uh, <laughs> yes, it does get frustrating. But I, I do think that's that's the nice thing about um, the military. And I and, and I mentioned it in my new book is that um, when you're if you're looking at somebody that that outranks you, you know that they've been in your shoes, right? They they have gone. Yeah. There is no shortcut to get to their role, right? If they were, you know, if you're an E three and they're an E seven, you know, there's no shortcut to get to be an E seven. You have to do the work, right. uh, and I think that's something that was easy to respect your leaders in the military because you know they've been in your shoes. They had they had done that job and they had advanced. You know, so exactly. That's very unique. Yeah. yeah exactly. So um, I loved your first book. I've got a copy right here for those who are watching on YouTube. So it's uh, this was the first book, Leadership at View from the Middle. And um, this was a fantastic book and I love it. And it's still one of my favorites. And I still uh, recommend it to people um, because I think it was such a unique view on leadership. The idea that um, there are leaders everywhere in the organization and you lead from where you're at. And I really like that. And, and um, you know, cause most leadership books focus on the CEO or the founder of a, of a startup company or, you know, some natural position of the top of the organization, but really there's leadership throughout the companies. And as a, somebody that's led in uh, business for many years, I've seen leadership all throughout the organization. And so this book talks a lot about leading where you're at. So what's, um, what's been the response to the book? Cause I love it. And uh, I talk, I, I don't know how many times I've told somebody, you got to go get this book. This is a great book. What's been the response since you wrote it? Well, it's, it's been good. I mean, people talk to me about it and I've got some good reviews on the, on the Amazon and, and everything. And it, it's, it's fun to talk about. I know that, um, when I first put it out, it was, was way new for me. Uh, as far as I told you before, I I uh, you know I thought about it for 20 years and sat down and, and wrote it in two years. Yeah. You know, so I was really reluctant to go out and talk about it. But um, as I got used to it and, and uh, you know more confident with what I did, uh, I really enjoyed uh, speaking about it. And uh, uh, it was actually it's pretty fun. It's a it's a really uh, a real proud accomplishment of mine. And, yeah. and I'm glad that I did it for sure. Uh, you know, it's really interesting because I, you know, sometimes, you know, the, 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 the uh, I don't want to call it the critic in me when I, as a writer says, there's 15,000 books written on leadership. Why is your voice important? Right. Exactly. Why would anyone read your book? You know, there's a critic when you're writing. Um, a friend of mine says there's a critic and there's a muse. The muse is telling you, this is great. Keep going. People are going to love it. And the critic is saying, 
why 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 would anyone care about this book? And right. uh, and so there's part of you saying like, why is my voice important? And and I would say this is that your voice was important, and I, I think it's I think it's a very unique book in a sense that it talks about the importance of leading where you're at. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're at the top of the organization, the middle of the organization, the bottom of the organization, you have a role. You can be a leader where you're at. And, and, and you talk about the principles of, of having being a leader in that, on those type of roles. And I think that's extremely valuable. And uh, for those of you who are listening, if you haven't got this book, it's leadership of view from the middle. This is, this is one of my favorites. So I just think it's a really, it's a really important contribution to those 15,000 books. Your voice is important. And I was really glad that you wrote that book and shared your experiences in that book. Well, yeah. And thank you. I think that's, that's very nice to just say that, you know, and it's my perspective. It's my view of what I experienced in the air force and outside the air force you know, and it's it's exactly that. You can lead from wherever you're at. You know, the leader is not just the general, you know, or the right. or the senior manager or the senior vice president. There's there's work that needs to get done uh, down at everybody else's level, like down in the weeds, if you will. Yeah. And you got to have somebody that's leading you through it, you know. And in that book, I I related some experiences. It was all firsthand experiences, you know, from my times in the Air Force and, and afterwards. And I I also gave shout outs to a few people that were very important to me through my career, you know, and I put, published their name and what they've done for me and, mm. and that kind of thing. And they were just like me. They were just leaders in the middle and, and uh, doing their best to, to, to get the job done and to you know lead with integrity. And, yep. uh, you know, so it was I, I felt like those 15,000 books we talk about, you know, my view is that from the middle one that, well, most of us are in the middle. So yeah, it sounds yeah. like it's. It's a, a, a I have some sense of in, something in common with right, just right. about anybody, <laughs> you know, well, so. I, I would say everybody, because it doesn't matter where you're at in your organization, you're in the middle. And and even as a CEO of a startup company. So you might say, well, I don't I don't John doesn't have a boss. Yeah, I do. I, I have a board of directors I report yeah. to. So I've yeah. never been anywhere but the middle. So. <laughs> I've been at the exactly. bottom. No, I take that back. I've been at the bottom too. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. but I've been mostly in the middle in my whole life. And I think most of us spend our lives in the middle of organizations. And um, yeah. so I think that's why I think it's such an important contribution to the thinking on leadership. And there's so many good points in there. And I, I won't go through all of them. Uh, and I, I do encourage people to go back and listen to episode 10, because I think there's a lot of really good, because we dive deep into that book and uh, a lot of good insight uh, in, in Mitch's first book. Um, but I want to talk about this book right here, and it's called Leading from the Middle, uh, Teachers and Coaches. And um, wow, uh, I did not expect this book. Uh, and I was really excited uh, when you wrote it. Um, it sort of, I didn't even know you were working on it. And suddenly there's a book being published and uh, it's right in time and, and such an important book. You know, we have gone through this crazy pandemic for the past, you know, 14, 15 months. And uh, the people that have been hit probably the hardest, I mean, obviously you have the nurses and the doctors and the, the frontline uh, healthcare workers that are, that are involved. But man, teachers and coaches have had a rough go at it. Uh, everything changed. Everything went upside down. And I think we learned the value of teachers. So, you know, what's the unique role that teachers and coaches play? And uh, how was that highlighted for you during the pandemic? Well, I started out by wanting to write another blog post, mm. right? 
And so I have my my website and every once in a while I put a blog post with a leadership spin on it or what have you. And um, last summer I, I sat down and I started writing a blog post, which uh, I thought was going to be a pretty good one. And so I got to thinking about it and it has to do with the teacher. In fact, this teacher is a, uh, a fighter pilot that was a coworker of mine. He still is a coworker of mine, but I had some experience with him several years ago. And so I wanted to put that down in a blog post. And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, maybe I should expand on this and I'm going to make it into a book. In fact, it ended up being chapter one. But the reason that I started thinking about it was because of the COVID pandemic, mm. you know, and we have all of the, uh, I guess the press, the PR goes to the doctors and nurses who've done a fantastic job right. uh, through this pandemic. But some of the things that I'd never, or some other things that were not being talked about was what teachers and coaches did for us. Um, you know, when the pandemics first started rolling, getting, getting going, um, you know, schools were being shut down and, and people had to resort to homeschooling. Um, and they maybe weren't used to doing that kind of thing, right? Because they're, they're already working or maybe they're on quarantine, but now they have to teach their children uh, whatever subject matter. And, hey, you know what? Teaching is hard, <laughs> yeah. especially... Yeah, especially when you're put in a position like that, you know, so the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, I need to, I need to show everybody that teachers are worthwhile. You know, they, they are honorable professionals and I want to write a book about them to pay homage to them and their profession and what they do for us, what they do for our children, um, especially in this, this pandemic, you know, uh, it was it all just started rolling in my mind as I was writing that blog post. And I said, well, this is a blog post about uh, one of my coworkers who is a teacher uh, teaching F-16 pilots, you know, well, teaching pilots how to become F-16 pilots. And, you know, to be a teacher, you got to be a leader too. And mm. I equate it, I equate that in the book about being a teacher and a coach. You're a leader, plain and simple. Mm. And so for me, I was able to put that together in my mind rather quickly. Like, yeah, teacher, coach, leader, that's all the same thing. So yeah. that's kind of yeah. right up my alley. And so I said, yep, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and expand on this a little bit. And, and, uh, you know, I used some of the, some of the other blog posts or some other stories that I had already had, uh, had written, you know, and then I added several more for this one, but it's kind of along the same the same lines as my first book where each chapter is a completely different, uh, thought, mm. you know, um, they all have the same theme as far as being a, uh, a teacher or being a leader and whatnot. But I go, I lean more towards teaching and more towards coaching. So we can kind of see how, uh, how those folks are, um, as leaders. You know, it's interesting when you, when we think about teachers and coaches, in fact, if you if you look them up in the dictionary, teachers and coaches, they actually have the same definition. It's one who instructs, which is very yep. interesting. Uh, so but um, when we think of those positions, we don't necessarily think of leadership. We don't it doesn't come to mind right right away. Like like, is right. that a leader? Uh, but but the truth of the matter is, is that um, coaches and teachers are leaders and they are. In fact, leaders in the middle of an organization is, you know, and, and, and I think that they, so how do you see, and, and, did, and I assume you see it the same way. How do you see leader, uh, teachers and coaches as being leaders? Well, absolutely. They, they are, they may not even realize they are, you know, yeah, they just go yeah. in there doing their job and, 
Um, but but yeah, they are. They're they're the leader. They're the one at the front of the classroom, and they're the ones just making sure that everybody does their thing. But that's also a little bit more uh, in the sense that a leader cares about his followers, right? Mm -hmm. A leader cares about uh, his or her people. And I tell you what, every teacher I've ever heard of or met or known, they care about their pupils. Yes. They care about them and they care that they do the right thing for them. They care that the students, um, you know, learn the material and become successful. So, I mean, it's, it's exactly a leader. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as soon as, you know, this book came out, you start talking about this book. I'm like, yeah, they, yeah, they're clearly in a leadership. It's, you know, one who influences and, and that's a very yeah. important uh, role, especially for young adults and young, uh, you know, children, they're, they're leading. And my, my wife is a teacher, so I feel passionate about this. She teaches kindergarten kids and she is okay. definitely a leader. She, she's <laughs> yeah. the tall one in the room. Exactly. <laughs> There's a bunch of little ones are in the room. So yeah. everyone's yeah. looking at her. What are, what is she doing? You know, she sets it the example. She sets the mood. She sets the, the priorities. She sets the, the rules, you know, uh, and uh, that's exactly what a leader does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. So, um, you know, in the book, you talk about um, the five traits of being a leader in the middle. So what are what are some things, uh, what are some of the traits that are important when you're leading in the middle of an organization, whether you're in your corporation, in the military, a teacher, a coach? What are some of those characteristics and traits? Yeah, the, um, there's, there's several of them, right? There's, there's numerous, numerous traits. In fact, I did a, uh, to help make it, get me started and get some more research done on this, I did a, a survey and I got, I think, 80 80 to 100 responses of all different traits from, mm. from all these people 
that this is what you need to have to be a successful teacher. And I used to teach in the Air Force. And so I always, I, I kind of reflected on what did I, what did I need to have uh, to be successful? And I put those in the book, you know, you have to have good uh, communication skills. You have to have, you have to have energy. And what energy means is you have to be there. You have to yeah. be there at work, ready to do what you need to do, you know. Uh, obviously, and I told you this one before, when it comes to being a leader, you have to care. You know, in fact, that seems to be a recurring thing as I've been, as I wrote this book, like the word care and caring keeps coming up as I was writing. Maybe I'm stuck on that, but it's super important. You know, and you have to have empathy. Uh, you have to have empathy and be able to see the student's plight, uh, you know, walk, walk them out in their shoes kind of, kind of thing. You know, that's a, a huge trait. And that's one of the, the ones that came back to me on the, the survey numerous times is the people from all over wrote the same word empathy on the, yeah, on the yeah. answer, you know, and then you got to be trustworthy. Uh, you got to be honesty and you have your integrity and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, when I wrote the book, I, like I said, I kind of sat back and pondered, well, how do I see myself uh, in not only when I was a, an instructor, but every day at work, like, what do I mm. need to, how do I need to be every day at work? And those, those words kind of, kind of popped up and, you know, I kind of thought about them and that's what I came up with. I'm sure there's more, but. Uh, yeah, no, but I think it's important, you know, and, and, and what I like about them is it's not the, um, you, know, you know, so we've for years have been told that, uh, you know, the, the bright way to lead is this stoic, uh, larger than life personality in a corporate office dictating everything that's going to happen. Right. That's what a leader yeah. is. Right. Right. But actually, it's been shown that they aren't very effective. Uh, those type of leaders aren't very effective. And it actually is the people, the leaders that get to know their people and have the empathy and they can communicate well and they have the energy and they have and they're present and they care about their people and they have relationships with people. Those are actually the more effective leaders. Those are the more effective teachers and coaches as well, too. It's not the screamer, although screamers are, are fun, uh, but <laughs> it's it's not the screamer, but it's the person that, that gets to know their team and gets to know uh, the, the best use of how, how they're motivated. How can I use this person to their fullest potential? And that's you, ha you can't do that without being empathetic and actually spending time with your people and getting to know them really well and really intimately. Exactly. And I think, you know, I was fortunate enough in the military is that you know, we stood these long watches in the Navy. We stood long watches together. I mean, enlisted, senior enlisted, junior enlisted officers. We were on watch together. There wasn't uh, an us and them. We were in the, you know, for example, maneuvering is where we would operate the reactor from. And there would be one officer and there'd be three enlisted in, in a, the, a room the size of a walk-in closet for six-hour watches. So we <laughs> yeah. knew each other intimately, right? Exactly. And uh, you can lead people that you know intimately. It's yeah, I don't know how you can lead people if you don't know who they are and how they how they take. And how do you teach a student that you don't know how they learn? Every student learns differently, right? And you have right. to figure that out. You have to find the most effective way. How does a coach? Uh, how does an athlete uh, perform? How do they take feedback? You have to know that athlete to be in order to coach them, knowing their strengths and weaknesses. You can't, you can't put a puzzle together if you don't know what puzzle pieces you have. And I think that that's you. You've uncovered these really important elements of uh, being able to put together. You know, uh, like in the case of a coach, put together a team that's effective, right? Uh, yeah. In the case of a student, put together a you know a group of students that are learning in their own way. And I think that's really unique and important. And you know, it goes back to you know leadership in that. 
you can't take a cookie cutter approach to leadership either. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to do this to every employee. Well, that's not the way it works. Every employee is managed differently. Every yeah. student learns differently. It's the same thing. So these are those, I think these traits are important. I think they are. And I think the best leaders are exhibiting those traits on a regular basis. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and like when you, when you talk about uh, teaching somebody and you have to get to know them and know what they, how they can learn kind of thing. And that kind of goes on to uh, one of the other, well, I guess I have a whole chapter on uh, one-on-one time, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's one of the things that teachers have to do is they have to spend time outside the classroom one-on-one time, uh, either helping them get through a subject or even getting to know them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I recalled um, on my time when I was in, when I was a teacher was I used to teach technical things, right? So I remember standing up there and I had a small class, like uh, four students is all we would teach, right? But I had to teach something very technical, which was the uh, TACAN waveform, the tactical air navigation waveform, which is very dry and very technical. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> yes. And so I, would, I was standing up there talking to a bunch of glassy-eyed uh, students, but I had to change the way I delivered the presentation or, or something here, something there. And then, you know what, as a teacher, you know it when they get it, yeah. right? Finally, finally, I was able to explain it to them in a, in a way that they understood it. And you could almost see the light bulb go off yeah. above their head, you know, like they got it. And I tell you what, that, um, that is the best feeling. And I know, like, I'm sure your wife knows it as a teacher and anybody else who's a teacher, they know it. When you teach something to somebody and you see that they got it, like the light bulb goes up above their head, their eyes open up a little bit more. And as the teacher, what I experience as a teacher, I get that tingling sensation running down my back knowing I did something right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt like, oh, they got it. And it's yeah. very important as, as a teacher. So, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, you got to get to know your students, though. You got to. Do some one-on-one time with them, yep. you know, so that yep. they, you can figure out how they uh, how they learn. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And 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 with leaders, you got to spend time with people to, to know how they need to be led. I mean, uh, what what's the most effective way to uh, to lead them? And you know, I mean, uh, you know, the, the the basis of leadership is you know getting a group of people to you know organize to to accomplish a major objective and when they get yeah. it and they and they move towards that objective and everything's running smooth it's a great feeling too it's just like that student getting it it's like when the people get it and everybody's moving in one direction you're like wow it's 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 magic when that all happens and it does feel good as a leader yeah. to say ah oh, wow we've got we're moving in the right direction finally yeah, yeah it's a good feeling yeah. So, um, you know, you surveyed in, as part of the book you did, uh, you surveyed teachers, you, 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 you got their testimonials, their feedbacks. What are, um, what are some, ins- what's the kind of insights did you gain as you reached out to, uh, teachers and, and asked for their thoughts on, on different aspects of teaching and, and coaches? What kind of, what kind of interesting feedback did you get that maybe you were surprised about or was kind of unique? Yeah. The, I'm really glad that I did the survey because that really gave me a good starting point and it really made a lot of ideas blossom in my mind of what to write about and what to let everybody know about, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, like I mentioned the, the one-on-one time, like most of the respondents spend two to four hours 
mm. outside of their work hours with their students. Wow. You know, so overtime, right? Yeah. You know, and and or they're spending a, a two to four hours grading papers, doing their own type of homework. This is all outside of work hours, you know, and some of them, gosh, some of them were spending more than nine hours on average outside of work just doing wow. their uh doing their overtime. It's really what it is, what it comes down to. Um, but the, one of the ones that I was really interested in learning about was how much money do you normally put out outside mm. of your salary to, yeah. to make your classroom work? Yeah. You know, and I was, I was astounded. I just, I just came up with some dollar figures or whatever and on an annual basis. And most of them uh, fell onto the, the stat um, or the choice that was $500. Wow. I can imagine like somebody, uh, I'm not sure what the typical salary is for a teacher, uh, but adding in another $500 out of your pocket, yeah. uh, pens and paper and pencils and, and whatever. Um, I, I was, I was very surprised to, to see that. Yeah. And there's some people put more than, more than $500, more than a thousand dollars of their own money to help yeah. make their class run. And I thought that was, that was, a uh, good info you know but that should be changed <laughs> yeah i thought that i heard i heard once the teacher is the only profession where you steal things from home to bring it to work exactly <laughs> yeah and i so i had a, a chapter about that too and and but you i don't really say in the chapter boy they shouldn't be doing that but what i do say is that managers should learn from teachers and do some of the same things. Yeah. You know, yeah. like as a manager, maybe, maybe budget yourself uh, to buy stuff for your employees. That kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or but I've done it. For employees. I've done it plenty of times in my career, you know, especially in corporate America where they change what the gift allowance is or what you could do, yeah. you know, and they, you know, corporate gets involved with what you can and can't do, but the, what they can't do, what corporate can't control is what I personally can do with my own money. And so it's like, okay, well, that's the rule corporate put out. Well, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to use my own money. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think if you find yourself, uh, you know, a leader in the middle and you, you want to do something for employees and your company says, no, eh, you know, you can do it with your own personal money. You can still do that kind of stuff and you don't have to tell people about it. I've never told people about where, where, things come from. Sure. But um, yeah, so, you know, there's, there's something we can learn from it and why, you know, it's interesting. Why do you think teachers will go out of the way and spend their own personal money to help their students? There's, there's something you talk about in the book. It's really important is the gas factor. What is, what is <laughs> yeah. the, what is the gas factor, Mitch? Cause I love this. Uh, cause I'm maybe that's just, is it a military yeah. term? Cause I know I, I, I remember I made, using it. So <laughs> no, I, I made that one up. So. Oh, you did. Okay. A, I remember, it, I remember reading about it in the other book. Yeah. In the military, in the military, we have, we have acronyms, right? You know, right, that's, what right. We, that's what we do. So uh, yeah. So uh gas factor is you, you got to give a shit. Yeah. And you got to give a shit about the people you lead. You got to yeah. give a about their students and it's gas. So it goes into a tank, right? So you can have that visual of, uh, is your, is your needle on empty or is it on full? You yep. know, you got to yep. be able to, to give a shit. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, that goes back to the whole caring thing and, and that kind you of, gotta you got to care. Gotta, you got to, you got to yep. be there. I love it. So I had to bring up the gas factor because that's, I, know. I, I, I laughed when I saw it in this book. I said, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a, Hey, I was like, Oh, should I write that word? I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I know. Do. I know. It's, it's funny in my new book. I was, I contemplated 
you know, telling some stories and, and, uh, not saying some, some words yeah. in the book. And, and I just I talked to my wife, I'm like, look, there's no other way to tell the story, but by using the words that were actually used. So yes. yeah, <laughs> and it's the military. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I used to, I used to swear like a sailor. Cause I was a sailor, you know, I know. Right. Me too. And I wasn't even a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. yeah. In the military, we swear like sailors. That's true. Right. Right. Doesn't matter right. what branch you're in. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, you know, as, as people hear, you know, hearing about this book and they say, well, you know, it sounds like an interesting book when I'm not a coach, I'm not a teacher, but what, what can people who are in leadership roles, can they take away from this book, even though it's not necessarily written for, uh, it's written about, uh, coaches and teachers, but what can, uh, all leaders take away from this book? Well, everybody knows a teacher. Mm. Every single person knows a teacher and a coach. And so what they can do is they can understand that this is what teachers are like. This is what teachers have to be in order to be successful. Maybe I should take a page out of their book and and do what they do, mm. you know, because okay. some people might not even think or consider teachers as leaders. They're yeah. just my teacher, you know, right. but if if you're a manager or an individual contributor and and you, you look at this book and you think, well, I remember that teacher from third grade, you know, she was really, she really took care of us. And I need to maybe uh, do some of the same stuff that she did or, or your teacher from high school or, or, or that kind of thing. You know, we always, we often can reflect back on people who showed us the way, right? And that's what teachers and coaches do. They showed us the way. You know, I, I put a, a, a little passage in the book about a, a, a coach of mine from I was in little league baseball, seven, eight years old or whatever, maybe a little older, but he was a highway patrolman and, and he was my coach and he taught me how to field grounders. Uh, yeah. I was a, I was a shortstop, believe it or not. I'm six, four, but I was a shortstop in <laughs> baseball. But, uh, you know, I remember that after we, my family moved away from there, he wrote me a letter, you know, and I found that letter in my stuff, uh, and it was it was still like hand typed out, you know, because this is back in the early 70s, you know, and I still had that letter. And it, it meant so much to me that he thought enough about me to write that letter yeah. and just seeing how I was doing and am I still playing baseball and, and that yeah. kind of thing. So he's, you know, we can reflect back on our coaches and our teachers from the past and we can we can glean some leadership information from yeah. them and how they operated and maybe use that in our own lives. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important, whether it's a teacher, a coach, a leader, you know, uh, the analogy, you know, throwing a pebble into a lake and the, the ripples that that come out from uh, from a leader, a coach, a teacher, um, they're significant and you impact uh, uh, lives uh, around you. And I think teachers, it might be more obvious, right? You're, you're, you're impacting the people around you. Coaches might seem obvious you're, you're impacting, but but leaders as well, you're impacting the lives around you every single day. It's, you know, the, you're, 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 and then what's the impact you're leaving? You know, what, what are the, when you leave the room, when you leave that job, when you retire, what's the impact that you made on not the organization, but the people within the organization? You know, what impact did you make on a student, on an athlete, on an employee, you, you know, it's, it, it's funny because sometimes the people say, well, those are the soft skills, you know, right. they're not important. No, hundred, just the opposite. They're, they're the, they're, these are the most important skills. They might be called soft. Some people might call, call them soft, 
but they're hard to master. And those are the most effective teachers, coaches, and leaders, the ones that do care and that they do, um, you know, they get into the lives of the people and you help and they're making a positive impact on their lives. And I think those are the people that are making a difference. And we can all think back in our lives and, and name those two teachers, those three teachers, the coach, um, the, the boss that they had that, that really impact their lives. And we are in those positions where we can impact lives as leaders, as teachers, as coaches. And we need to do that. We need to make sure we're leaving a positive legacy every time we're, you know, interfacing with people. Exactly. And you said legacy, like I wrote about that too. And you, if we talk about this, it'll be an entirely new podcast, but I wrote about Tom Brady being a legacy leader. Yeah, I know you're, yeah. I know you're a Patriots <laughs> fan, and, and I am not a Patriots fan, but I am a Tom Brady fan. Let me tell you that. And yeah, and yeah. So he was a legacy leader, and and uh, you know he went off to Tampa Bay, but uh, yeah, I wrote about that in there too about him. He's the he's the perfect legacy leader. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because what he's done, people are going to remember. Yeah, it's a good example. People don't know, maybe don't know the story, but, you know, being a Patriots fan, you know, for years he would he would take lesser of a salary to make sure that there oh, yeah. was room in the salary cap to get good players. He's like, I want to win games. So if I have to sacrifice, just like we we're going back to teachers, I'm sacrificing my personal salary so that my students exactly. can get what they need. And that's what, in a way, Tom Brady was doing. It's like I'm sacrificing my own personal, I mean, yeah. you know. After a while, you he get billions. <laughs> you know, you, just, you don't need any more, right? He has so. almost as much as you as you and me. So right, you know. right. <laughs> so, he's like, look, my wife makes more than me, so let's exactly. let me give up a couple million. You know, so. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that. And, and I think when in a world where maybe uh, we see a lot of selfish people being very successful, right, and in, in hoarding everything, and I and, and and like I don't know Jeff Bezos all that well, and I probably shouldn't talk about him, but it seems to me that this pandemic hit, and everybody went to Amazon to buy their stuff, and he made a yeah. lot of money, and I haven't necessarily seen him giving back. I mean, I, maybe he does. I don't know much about him, but I do know he's building a five million dollar yacht as we speak. Yeah. So I imagine that that's his that's his pandemic reward, you know. And uh um and so I mean how many small businesses have been impacted by the pandemic and yet he's running around on a five million dollar yacht. Maybe he's a wonderful man. Uh I sell my books on Amazon. So Jeff, I love you, but you know, I know right? what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing for others? You know, that's the question. Yeah, exactly. What have you sacrificed for others? I, I don't know. Is he a legacy yeah. leader? I don't know. So <laughs> I don't know either. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So where can, uh, and then we just talked about Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so where can people get your new book? So I, it's on Amazon. So okay. you, can, you can type that title in there or you can type Mitchell Bowling into it and both my books will pop up. Um, I also have some, uh, some copies you can get off of my website. Okay. Uh, and I can, I can sign them and send them to you. That's, that's uh, in the continental United States. Uh, okay. Okay. And what's sure. your, what's your website, your personal website? It's uh, mbbowling.com. mbbowling.com. Okay, we'll put yeah. that in the show notes. And we'll put links to both yeah. of your books in the show notes as well. So yeah. people who are driving in their car listening to this and they don't have to write it down, we'll, we'll make those links available. So, um, so this is good. So the book is Leading from the Middle, Teachers and Coaches. And for those on YouTube, you can see it uh, there right there. It's a phenomenal book. It's a great book. Uh, it's, um, it's a great reminder of the importance of, uh, teachers and coaches being leaders 
and how they influence people. And uh, Mitch, I'm so glad that you wrote this book. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about it. I'm on for a second time. That's you awesome. are. You're a two-time <laughs> guest, so you're the second two-time guest. So that's know, fantastic, that's awesome. and I and I'm, I'm honored to have known you and uh, have seen all these books coming out, and the fact that uh, you know you're continuing to write and you continue to have a good yeah. voice. And you know, I mean, to that respect, these are great books, and I encourage people to write them. But also follow his blog, follow Mitch's blog. I think you're going to see a lot of really good insight. And um, you know, leadership is all about learning and all about getting better. And if you're not getting 1% better every week or 2% better every week, then you're going to fail as a leader. And so buying these books, reading these books, implementing the ideas from these books uh, is going to help you to be a better leader and be a more effective leader. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, very good. Well, uh, thank you for being on the show and thank you for sharing all your insight with all of our listeners today. Uh, I'm really happy to be here and I'm, I'm glad that you invited me on once again. So yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Okay. Thank you, Mitch. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Till next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.